Hi, welcome to our series, Naturally Supernatural. I am super excited to be sharing with you this morning. I know that quarantine life has us in all sorts of crazy modes, and so many of you are probably sitting on a couch right now balancing a cup of coffee, which I think is awesome. But also, we're super distracted. We've got kids running around, we've got pets barking, we're probably on our phones. Um, and so I know that virtual church right now is super strange. And so because of that, we're going to be uploading all of my message notes in the app or in a link for you to be able to view later so that you can go through and really catch some of the finer points and finer details of what we're going to discuss today. And today, we are going to be talking about hearing the voice of God in our lives, which I'm really excited to talk about because I'm not sure that there's anything more naturally supernatural than God, the creator, talking to ordinary me. (laughs) And it's one of my favorite things about the relationships that we can have with God. Um, And so along those lines, there's going to be three principles that we discussed today. And these principles I'm going to call building blocks because I think that these principles build off of one another. And our very first principle is the foundation for which we do everything. But before we get into that, I do want to clarify. Um, We are not going to be talking about super extraordinary moments in which God is like screaming at us. This isn't going to be like Moses in the burning bush or Saul on the road to Damascus um, when they really have these crazy encounters with God. We are taking this naturally supernatural thing and we're breaking it down into our everyday lives. Something super easy, something that we can all grasp in tiny little bites that we can apply to our lives so that we can end up living an ordinary life that is totally infused with God's spirit. Um, And so what this ends up looking like, people are always asking me things like, you know, does God speak audibly? Can you hear him? Um, They're always asking me, what does his voice sound like? Um, And how will I know when he's speaking to me? Will he give me specific answers to specific questions? Um, And so we're going to try to answer all these things today, and we're going to do it quickly. And so the first way that God speaks to us is through God's written word. That's the first way that God speaks to us, and it's the foundation of our faith. We believe that God's scriptures, right here in the Bible, we believe that they're infallible, that they were divinely appointed, and that they're God-breathed. And more than that, we believe that they're historically accurate, that they're culturally appropriate, and they're personally relevant to our lives. And this is kind of awesome, because the thing is, is that if any of you have read the Bible cover to cover, you'll know that there are a lot of cultures in here. There's a lot of economies, there's a lot of um, social things happening that are outside of what we do now. We have new things like technology (laughs) that they didn't have back when the New Testament was written or the Old Testament. But it still applies to us because God is still God and humans are still human. And Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun, which includes how we culturally adapt to things. See, God is still God. Humans are still human, which means we're still doing fleshly, sinful things, and God is still responding to those things in the same way because he doesn't change. And so scripture is personally relevant, and it applies to your life right now, and it always will That's the beauty of scripture. It doesn't matter if you're joyful or if you're sad, if you're going through a season of grief or um, intense sorrow, scripture is always going to apply. And that's why we're starting here and we're calling this our foundation. And so where does that leave us in our everyday life? Where does that leave us? Like many of us know scripture. I know people who have been reading the scriptures and have been Christians for years and years and they still ask me, how can I hear God's voice in my life? 
Um, and how can we operate on a day-to-day level using God's scripture? And so in his book, um, Decision-Making in the Will of God, author Gary Friesen um, kind of talks about this question, and he kind of adapted um, a concept called the way of wisdom. And it looks like this. There's a circle on a page, and everything within this circle is called the way of wisdom. And this is God's moral will for our lives. This is the Ten Commandments, the two greatest commandments in the New Testament, the Great Commission. This is the fruits of the Spirit. These are all the things that God has given us in his scripture um, that help us live a morally um, good life. These are, the, these are the commandments that God's given us to try to be holy or be more like God. Um, and so in his book, Gary Friesen kind of describes our everyday living um, using scripture and how we can do this by applying what we've read in the scriptures and what we've learned in scripture and making decisions using the free will that God gave us based off of the principles we find in scripture. And so... Everything outside of this circle is sin. This is the flesh. This is the world. Everything inside of this circle is God's moral law for us, his will for us. And as long as we're within this circle, the decisions we're making day to day, the normal, ordinary choices, like what we're eating for breakfast, <laughs> where we're, how, um, like what job we're picking, how we're getting to our job, how we discipline our kids, how we interact with our spouse, how we interact with our neighbor, um, whether or not we have road rage when we drive, <laughs> all the things that we all do on a normal day-to-day basis, we can still apply those to the moral will and law that that God has for us by operating within here. And so we can bounce around, right? Like maybe there's not just one spouse for us all. Maybe there's not a specific calling on your life. Maybe you get to choose based off of um, the things that you're good at and the things you like. That's what Gary Friesen talks about in his book when he tries to describe how we can use our free will alongside scripture. Um, But there's one problem with this. And that is that it's not the only way to live. There are some theologies out there that teach that the only way we can hear from God is through his scripture. And that means the only way we're ever interacting with God is truly just based off of the laws and the commandments that he's given us within here. And while it's awesome to be able to live our lives applying scripture to our daily lives, I think that there's another aspect to a relationship with God that we have to consider. Um, And Henry Blackaby, in his book, Hearing God's Voice, he says, people who make decisions based merely on what seems most advisable to them will inevitably choose something inferior at some point to God's best. And I think that's really beautiful when we bring this up and we look at this in conjunction with that quote. That means that even when we're bouncing around inside the moral will of God and we're making decisions, that sometimes God might want to actually speak to us personally to help us find something that's the most important or the best thing for us. And the, really, the only example I can use is the fact that I'm married. <laughs> and anyone who knows me knows that um, when I was young and single and in college, I had never planned on being married. But then I met my now husband, Josiah, and God spoke to me. And if I hadn't been someone who was used to God's voice or knew how to listen to God's voice in my ordinary everyday life, I'm not totally certain I'd be married today. And that means I wouldn't have my four beautiful kids. And that means we wouldn't have Joanna's story. And so 
Um, while it was awesome that I was in scripture and that I was learning about God through scriptures, I also was attuned to what God was saying in my life. Um, Henry Backaby, again in his same book, says later on, modern Christians sometimes struggle because they must relate to an invisible God. They do not hear his audible voice. They do not feel his physical touch. Many Christians conclude the only relationship they can have with God will be found in diligently obeying biblical commandments and teachings. So they invest their lives earnestly trying to follow the rules they find in scripture. This can lead to a ritualistic, legalistic religion. Those who worship a lifeless, silent God embrace a lifeless religion that offers nothing but silence. The Christian life is meant to be so much more. And I love that quote because he's not saying scripture's bad. He's not saying we can't have a healthy diet of scripture. It should be our foundation. Everything we do should point back to scripture. What he's saying is that, there's, is that there's something more. And the best thing that I can use in the Bible to maybe describe this is the situation in which Jesus met the woman at the well. We see this in John chapter 4, and Jesus met the woman at the well um, because he was thirsty. And there they had, she had a life-changing encounter because God, Jesus, pursued a relationship with her. And I'm just going to read a couple um, scriptures here. Um, in John um, chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And he's talking about the water in the well in which they are sitting by. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I really love this because Jesus is sitting next to this sinful woman and instead of just like thrashing her for her sin or having a theological debate with her or listing out all the laws that she's broken, he's saying the water you've been drinking is leaving you thirsty but I have something better. And he came to speak with her about that. And he wasn't offering her just rules. He was offering her himself. And that changed her life. And later on in verse 23, he says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In worship, the definition of worship is an expression of reverence, and we can only worship what or who we know or we spend time with. And so here Jesus is saying the true worshipers will come, and these are people who have found God worthy of worship because they've spent time with him. And then he says they must worship in spirit and truth. And when I read that, I hear that we have to worship in relationship and through the scriptures because spirit happens here and truth happens here. And so what should we get from all this then? We should understand that yes, God's word is our foundation, it's our first building block, and it's where we begin everything. It's home base. But we should also understand that God de definitely wants to have a relationship with us. He desires that. He desires to know you intimately. 
And so that brings us to our second building block, which is that God speaks to us through personal revelation. Um, and I tried to find a less churchy word than revelation, but I honestly couldn't find it because God does like to reveal things to us and he likes to do it personally. And this is um, something that happens outside of God's word, like outside of reading his scriptures. Personal revelation is something that happens in a moment of worship or a moment of prayer. Or for me, I always see it in the fact that there's coincidence, coincidences that are happening in my normal, ordinary life that are just like too surreal to not be God. Um, you know, people are saying things to me or I'm seeing things or there's like a billboard and it's just like, ah, um, that has to be God speaking to me. And so that is what I am kind of defining today's personal revelation topic as. Um, and so this type of hearing we've already talked about usually comes through prayer or a moment of worship or um, even just like a supernatural moment, but not weird, just like I said, like a billboard coming up. Um, but the thing that I really want to touch on when it comes to personal revelation is that it is a private moment between you and God. It's an intimate moment. It's an intimate connection that's happening between you and God. And because of this, I just feel very strongly about the fact that I'm never going to um, stand up here and be like, God told me, fill in the blank, and like shout it and proclaim it for everybody to hear. And I feel personally convicted about this because I truly believe that when God is speaking to me in an ordinary moment, an everyday moment, we're not talking about Moses in the burning bush or Paul on the, on the road to Damascus. We're just talking about like you and me just having a normal prayer conversation with God in which he, he speaks back to you. Um, I just believe that when God's voice speaks to me, he, it will defend itself. And the reason why I believe that is for a few different reasons. The first is that God speaks to me quietly, personally, and directly, and he speaks only to me in those moments. And when he is speaking to me, I believe that he is trying to either build your faith, comfort you, or grow you. That's what he does for me. And sometimes it's all three. But I can look back over any encounter that I have had with God, and he's usually trying to build my faith, comfort me, or grow me. Um, and because God is trying to either build my faith or comfort me or grow me, what should happen is that when I leave my moment of prayer or my moment of worship, and after I've had this, this discussion with God, the way I live after having heard his voice should be evidence enough of what he's speaking to me in my quiet time. So how I'm praying and how I'm talking to God over here, when I get up and I'm out in public or I'm with my family around the dinner table or I'm interacting with my neighbors or I'm at the grocery store, that right here should be evidence of how I'm living here. And that's how God, God's voice defends itself in our everyday ordinary lives because it's fruit. In the Bible, in John 15, um, Jesus talks about how God is the vine and we are the branches. And branches who are still connected to the Father, to the vine, bear fruit. And that is part of our fruit. It's how well we're connected to the vine. And so some of you are saying, okay, so I've read my scriptures, which we talked about in point one, and I pray and I worship and I still don't hear God's voice. And so I think there's a few things that we can back up and talk about. Um, the first is that learning someone's voice takes time and intentional effort. A lot of time and a lot of intentionality. And the best example I have for this is, again, with my now husband. When I, the day I first met him, 
I could not pick him out of a five-person lineup. If you had placed him in a, you know, in a line with a bunch of guys and blindfolded me and then had them all speak and then told me to like pick out which guy was the red-bearded guy, I would have no idea. I wouldn't know him from anybody else because I'd never met him before. But a few weeks or a few months into dating, and now that guy yells at me from across a crowded room, yeah, I turn my head because I know his voice, right? So now I, I, I know his voice because we have spent time together, intentional time together, getting to know one another. And then we fast forward a few years into marriage, and that same guy yells at me from across a crowded room. Not only do I recognize his voice and hear his voice and turn for his voice, I also know the inflections in his voice. I know if he's mad or if he's sad or if he's frustrated or if it's the can we go now voice. I know because now I've spent so many years getting to know his voice that I don't even have to ask him. I understand those nuances of how he speaks to me. And then we get 10 years into marriage, right? And he walks into a room and sometimes he doesn't have to say anything. I know when he's in a room. Sometimes all it takes is a look and I know if he's ready to go. <laughs> you know, these are the things that are cultivated carefully over time um, because that is how relationships work. We get to know each other, and it takes intentionality. That's the word I have to keep bringing up because I'm not so sure that in the early years of my walk with Jesus, I don't think I was very intentional with my time with him. And I would always wonder, why isn't God talking to me? And it finally occurred to me, maybe it's because I need practice. So where do we start? You're probably hearing that. Scripture. Remember, that's the foundation. Where do you start to learn God's voice? It's all right here. God's voice is on every single page of your Bible. And so you start to learn about who God is through these pages. And then you get into personal revelation as you start to know about who God is. So let's say you think you know what God's voice sounds like, but you still aren't hearing him. And this is one area um, that. I think that it's the church doesn't always do a great job talking about, not necessarily our church, but just the global church or especially the American church as a whole. And that's the fact that if you um, aren't hearing God's voice actively in your life, but you feel like you're seeking it, the question you need to ask yourself is, what kind of sin is in my life? Sin is a, sep is a separation between you and God every time. And I'm talking about seasons of sin, active sin, the type of sin that festers, the type of sin that you are continuing in over and over and over and over again. It could be a sexual sin. It could be greed. It could be um, an idol in your life. It could be like you worship somebody else that isn't God. It could be you worship a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. These are things in your life that keep you separated from the voice of God. And so the answer to that is you have to repent of your sin. You want to hear God's voice in your life? You cannot be in sin. It will separate you from what he has for you. And so we have to repent and we have to convert and we have to go back and try again. You have to just go back and get your scriptures and start to pray and start to worship and you start that process all over again because the Bible says if we seek, we will find and if we knock, the door will be opened. But we have to get rid of that divider between us. And if it's not any of that, then my question is, are you filled with shame? 
maybe you have been in sin, maybe you have repented, and you still don't hear God's voice, and shame is the next tactic that the enemy uses to block the voice of God from your life. And shame is a tricky thing. It says you aren't worthy of hearing God's voice in your life. And this is a super basic test to see if you're worthy. Um, The first question is, are you alive? If you're alive, if you can answer that, if you can look in a mirror and say, yep, I'm alive, then the answer is yes, you're worthy of God's voice in your life. And this is for a few reasons. One, God made you. You're not an accident. If he didn't want you here, and if he didn't want to be in relationship with you, and if he didn't want to talk to you, you wouldn't be alive. And then on top of that, he sent his son to die for you so that he could be in relationship with you. And then he rose from the dead so that he could be in continual relationship with you in eternity. So shame has no place here because God says, yes, you're worthy. I made you worthy. That's what God is telling you. And so we're going to talk real quick about what sin is, or not sin, we're going to talk about what God's voice is not, the things that God is not going to say to you. Um, We don't really believe that God is going to give you names and dates and specifics. God's not a horoscope, and he's not like a fortune teller. He's not going to sit down with you and like have a crystal ball and be like, okay, here's how your life is going to work out. Um, That's not how God works. And we can get into that um, discussion a different time, but it comes back again to that very first foundation we talked about, which is God's scriptures and free will and how those work together. Um, And God is not ever going to speak anything to you that is inconsistent with his character or his nature. I don't like to put God in a box. I don't like to say the words always and never when it comes to God. But this is one thing that we can always know is true about God. It's that he doesn't change. He is consistent. He is everlasting. And the things he wrote in scripture will always be true. Always. So he is not going to tell you anything that goes contrary to what we can read in the Bible. So that means that if God is telling you to go tell that annoying neighbor all about your political um, ideas and you're going to do it in not a nice way, that's probably not God. God is telling you, um, if your God is telling you that you should watch pornography so that you don't cheat, that's not God. Um, He's not going to tell you to lie in order to preserve somebody's feelings because the God in the Bible tells us not to lie. Um, And he's not going to tell you to manipulate a situation in order to maintain false um, peace. That's not God. He's not going to tell you to get even or to fuel an argument or to shame someone or to pursue any type of selfish gain because that's not what God says in his holy word. In fact, you can make a massive column of all the things you think God might be telling you and then you place it next to holiness. And if it lines up with holiness then that's God. And if it doesn't line up with holiness, it's not God. It's our flesh. It's what we kind of wish God might say to us, but it's not the truth. And so what you need to tell yourself over and over and over again when it comes to the personal revelations you have in your life, it's that God is not going to tell you anything that is contrary to his nature, period. And how will you know? We go back to the foundation which was point one, we take it to scripture. If you are hearing something from God in your personal prayer time, you can always and you should always be able to take it back to scripture to check if it's God speaking to you. And so that brings us to the third point. And that is that God loves to speak through people. 
And this is one of my favorite ones to talk about, but it's going to be the shortest one we talk about. Um, it goes back to John 15 again, about God being the vine and we are the branches. And as branches that are growing fruit, I think we sometimes forget that the fruit we're bearing in our personal life isn't just there for the non-Christians of the world. I want that to sink in. The fruit that we're growing isn't just for other people like the world to be able to see. The fruit that we're growing is for everyone to see. And that means that as Christians who are actively in the word, who are actively praying and receiving personal revelation from God, who are actively trying to make our lives holy and we're trying to be more like Christ, that means that the fruit we're bearing should be obvious to both Christians and non-Christians alike. And it should look like this. Have you ever met somebody in your own spiritual life or in your church life or in your church family when you're personally suffering or you're going through something hard and you know there's someone in the church who has gone through something similar and it's evident by the way that they've lived that they've overcome that because of the fruit in their life and you want to go to them and ask them about it. That's how fruit can work when it comes to Christian to Christian. Our fruit should be so evident. The voice of God should be so evident in our lives that people look at us and think, wow, it is so obvious that he hears from God on a daily basis. Look at all the things that God is doing in his life. It should be the type of thing where people feel like they can come to us and talk to us about things because we've been transparent about the journey that we're on. It should be obvious that the Spirit is moving in our lives, in our personal and private lives, simply in how we live and how we treat people and how we love. And that means that the world sees it and Christians see it. And together our community can understand that we're, we have fruit because we're branches, because we're connected to God. And that is how it should always backtrack. And so God loves to speak to us First we had the scriptures, then we had personal revelation, and now we're working, we're people. God loves to use me, he loves to use you. We're all ordinary, we're all totally normal, and he loves to use us to encourage one another in our walks. He loves for our fruit to be on display for one another to see. He loves for others to know that we're talking with God in our personal quiet time by the way we live. And honestly, one of the best examples I can give you is over here. This is a 20-pound bucket of letters and cards that we've received in the two years that we've had Josie. It's 20 pounds. I stepped on a scale. And this is just the handwritten letters. This doesn't include the thousands of emails and messages and text messages that we've received in the two years in which we've had Josie and the long journey we've been on with her. Every single one of these letters has something in here about how we are loved, about how God is going to use our time of suffering for good. There's scripture written all in here. It's encouragement. It's people telling us they see us and they know us and that a good God loves us. It is letter and picture after picture and letter of people using what they've learned through scripture or what they've learned through their personal revelation to turn it around and help either encourage me, help grow me, or help comfort me. Every single one. Half of these start out with the phrase, I know we don't know each other, but... And I'm going to cry 
because I'm not sure that there's anything much more naturally supernatural than a bunch of people getting together and putting a pen to paper in order to encourage me in one of the hardest seasons of my life. And so if I felt like God was silent in any of my other areas, if I felt like I was reading scripture and I just wasn't reading what I needed, or felt like, when I felt like I was praying or worshiping and I wasn't getting the breakthrough I thought I was going to get, I would turn around and I'd open my mailbox and this would be waiting for me. Or we'd open our front door and someone will have brought us a meal. Or someone would offer to watch our kids for us so my husband and I could go on a date and reconnect and feel human again. Or someone would offer to come to the hospital to sit with Josie so I could go take a shower. And this is how God loves to build communities. First, we have our foundation of scripture. Next, we pray and we worship and we have our personal revelations, but people are the cherry on top. And God uses all of you in ordinary ways to do that. And so if you're wondering if you've heard God's voice in your life, I hope that you know that even if scripture sometimes is confusing or even if you feel like you're not praying or hearing things, I hope you know that you have a community of people who are around you that are rallying for you and that someday you can turn to somebody and look at their fruit and know that you can talk to them about how God is speaking in their life because you've seen it as evidence. And if we continue to live this way, you'll be that person for someone even if you don't know it. And so those... Those are the ways that I feel like God speaks to me in my life. And so I'm going to pray for you today. And I'm going to pray um, for your family. I know that quarantine is hard. I know we're in a super unusual place in our life right now. And more than anything, I know that a lot of us are desperate for those quiet moments with God in which we hear him speaking. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for people. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for prayer and for worship and for the time that you give us to be with you where we can um, be in communion with you, God. I just pray for our church as a whole, for each and every family that we haven't seen their faces in so long. I just pray that they feel seen and known and loved. God, I just ask that somehow through this today, Lord, that you will just reach down and talk to somebody, somebody who's been really, really waiting for a word from you. God, I hope that you are able to just bust down that wall that's dividing you and that people will start to reach their arms out to you, Lord, so that they can hear a word from you because we're desperate for a word from you. God, I just thank you so much for the community that you've given us and the way that we've been able to encourage one another. And I just pray that love will abound here in our community, even when we're not able to be together. Lord, I just pray that um, it will be evident by the way that we live our lives, that we are in communion with you, that we are talking with you, that we are in a a steady relationship with you, God, on a day-to-day basis. And I pray for those who maybe want it but don't know how to get it, Lord, that you will just ignite in them a passion and and a thirst for your word, God that they will start there at the foundation and they will find all that they need there in your word. God, thank you so much for everything that you've given to us, Lord. Thank you for our families and for our friends. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your scriptures that we can read this for ourselves and that we can um, see you slowly and steadily revealing yourself in our lives. God, we just love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.